you're listening to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, David and Jeff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to David and Jeff's Survivor Podcast. I'm David, and with me, as always, is... Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm wonderful. How are you today, David? I'm doing great. Uh, I know there's been a lot of mixed reactions about this most recent episode. I I sort of enjoyed watching it. I like how this episode was just one giant setup and build up for the next episode. You know, yeah. some people may find that frustrating that there was no payoff at the end, but for me I'm just like, all right, we this is like the preparing for war episode and next week we get to see the war. Um and Yeah, I agree. I really so enjoyed this I, I personally uh, enjoyed it. And you know what? I, I like this season. I know there's been a lot of people saying this is a bad season. This is a dud of a season. Um, I, don't, I don't fully see that. Do I think it's the greatest season ever? No. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy, have enjoyed this season so far. I agree with everything you've said. Um, I really like the fact that they're able to do a multi-episode story arc. I felt like Julie's quit came at the right time to kind of give them that opportunity. Um, Because you don't get to see those sort of bat clash of the titans. It usually is one episode, and then it's over, and then there's a gonging. Um, So the fact that that's going to last two episodes, I think, is really great. I agree with you completely on... I I don't know why this season is getting so much hate. Only thing I can think of is the fact that... It's a little bit... I don't... There's no characters who I really, really hate... And there's no characters who I really, really love. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't find the season boring at all, and I don't think you need to have characters who you love and characters who you hate to make a really great Survivor season. Um, but I, I, I am fairly neutral on everyone in terms of like who I want to win, who I really like, who I want to see come back for maybe another season. I am a little bit neutral on that, and that's the only thing I can think of that may make some people not like the season. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because you have these two camps that we're talking about, this Jeremy and this uh, uh, Josh camp, but neither one of them is necessarily perceived as the villain, and neither one of them is necessarily a hero. It's yeah. just two. Although I will say, if you had to choose, Jeremy's definitely taken gotten a villainous edit over the last few episodes. Now, see, I'm still more in the Jeremy camp. Like I, I naturally would root for Jeremy over Josh. Really. But, and I, I think that's why it's so divisive is that hmm. neither both of them have their flaws and both of them are are still very skilled game players. So they're both they're both I would almost say they're very equal playing field. So it makes it interesting as there's no clear person to root for and person to hate. You could hate Jeremy and love Josh or vice versa and or you know, you could like them both. But it's just uh yeah, I think it goes back with you saying there's no one you really uh, love or hate. And I don't know, like, I, I like a lot of these people, so it's not like I'm apathetic towards everyone. But I agree that there's no clear heroes, there's no clear villains, it's just people. <laughs> you think that's just natural? I mean, well, you have a blood versus water season, this is the second one they've done. And in the first one, the people who dominated were the uh, the singles, and that's mm-hmm. not looking like that's going to happen this season. So do you think that with a couple domination comes the sort of, like, neutrality where there's no real good and evil because no one wants to be villainous if their loved one's on the island with them? 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because for me, I I think part of it is that I also naturally root for the underdogs. So I would hate just to see the couples make it to the end, you know. Um, yeah. And that's probably the reason that I'm pulling more for Jeremy and why I'm naturally drawn towards him because at this point I think he is more of an underdog. Um, at the same point, I'd be I'd be okay if Josh won the battle between the two, and and then some more moves happened throughout the game and it you know it wasn't just the couples. So it's not that I inherently, you know, hate Josh, but I would hate just to be the final six are Josh and Reed, Jacqueline and John, and Missy and Baylor, or something like that, you know? Yeah, and I find it really interesting also this season that, you know, most of the time the person who's the leader is the one with the hidden immunity idol, and that's not the case this season. You have kind of a wild card middle guy who has the hidden immunity idol, and so I'm really interested to see how Keith having the idol is going to really play into the season. Because, I mean, in most seasons, like we saw last time, it's gonna, it would be Jeremy or Josh who has the idol. Yeah. And as far as we know, neither of them do. So Keith having the idol is a really interesting prospect. Yeah. And see, that adds an interesting dynamic uh, to me. Now, obviously, this season has had its flaws. I thought uh, Excel Island was a bust. Yeah, I didn't really think that. we got anything out of that. Um but I like the complexity of this uh, season. I like this whole war thing. And as long as one side does not completely pick off the other and we have a Pagangin, I think this will be a good good post-merge season. Yeah. And, I mean, I, it, we're coming off of a really big season, and I think a lot of people were expecting a lot because the last two seasons have been really good. Um and this season may not be quite as good as, you know, Kagayan or uh, or Blood vs. Water 1. That being said, I do think that once the recency bias, which I think recency bias can be either positive or negative, um, once that wears off, I think this season, if it goes like it should, is going to fall in the, in the upper middle area, in probably, like, the 10 area. Yeah. Because there's... There's no Tony this season, all right? There's no there's no Cass also. I mean, Kagayan had some huge characters that were very polarizing, um, and you had the ultimate underdog of Spencer to root for. And you don't really have that. You have Keith, who who can be entertaining, um, and you, you have Jeremy and Josh, who are these very interesting characters who sort of both have power. But it's not nearly the same as you know those other huge characters that were that were in the game for a long time in Kagayan. I mean, Kagayan was an amazing season. So when you're just strictly comparing it, it it would seem a little more of a disappointment. But I I would say I'm watching this season and I'm enjoying this season. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like we we talked about the lack of hero versus villain. And I think sometimes Survivor is overly uh, blatant about who they want you to think of as the hero and who they want you to think of as the villain. And I think now that that's kind of become what we're used to, people struggle with that sort of moral ambiguity where we don't really know what's good and what's bad. So, yeah. And we're going to be, uh, in just a little bit, we're going to be talking about each person left in the game and talking about how they've been playing so far and what we think their uh, chances are going forward. But before we get to that... We're going to do our list, and today we are going to be ranking 
the survivor quitters throughout the entire series. There are uh, quasi 11 and a half uh, quitters that we'll be talking about. We're going to be ranking them uh, from 11 down to 1, and up at the top of the list, or you know, what we're going to start with first is going to be the most justified or most understandable quit down to the bottom of least understandable quit. So, yes. Uh, should be good. I think Jeff is going to be starting us with number 11, and we're going to be working our way more. Yes, well, number 11 is a tie, actually. Um, you and I kind of talked about this earlier. If we're talking about the most justified quits, right, there are two that some people even had to question the definition of what exactly happened. And I remember um, during when this season was airing, I remember everyone asking, like, so do we call this person a quitter or a medevac or what do we do? And so the tie for the most justified quit is for Dana Lambert from Survivor Philippines, who of course quit because she was having some sort of medical problem, and Gary Stratisky from Survivor Fiji, who wasn't really shown as a quit. It was shown as a medical evacuation, but when you talk to the people from that season, um, apparently it comes out that he had, Gary had more decision um, in that process than, than the edit led you to believe. And so we're calling both of them quitters with an asterisk, and I think it's pretty easy to say that they're easily the most justified quits. Yeah. When you're uh, keeling over and shivering because you have, like, the flu and you can't, do anything, uh, you can't really function, it's justifiable or quit. Same with Gary, he had so many bug bites and allergic reactions that he couldn't breathe properly uh, and couldn't do anything. Uh, and he had a cracked rib, didn't he? I think so. So he had, yeah, he had a bunch of problems. So both of them, uh, you know, when it's uh, hurting your ability to function, well, technically you may not need to go to the hospital immediately, uh, like there's no life-threatening injury, it's still when you can't actually function, you know, what can you do on Survivor? Right. Just lay in a corner One and wait for people. you at home and you had a bunch of bug bites and a cracked rib, you could just kind of like sleep it off. You know, I don't want to say sleep it off, but you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're on an island and you're not getting food or anything, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So let's move on to number 10. It is my pick, and for my number, or for our list of number 10, I'm going to choose the one who I is, I think, just one step below them, and it, uh, it could be around the same thing. I'm going to go with Kathy Sleckman from Survivor Micronesia. For me, she was off her medicine. She was not in the right state of mind. She was not, she was not all mentally there which uh, for me justifies her quit because she literally needed to get leave to get back on her medicine um, so she didn't do herself bodily harm by chopping off a finger. Um, so for me, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was very necessary for her to quit. Yeah, I didn't have her quite at this point, but um, I definitely had her pretty high up on my list to say she was pretty justified in quitting. Yeah. Kathy's a big friend of ours on the podcast, and we we uh, feel you are justified, Kathy. <laughs> okay, so number that Kathy was number ten, so number nine on my list is someone who I don't think anyone 
actually was really mad at this person, um, either on the island or um, when they watched it at home. And the reason is not only that her quit was justified kind of in and of itself, but when, it, I mean, I'll just say, it's Jenna Morasco from Survivor All-Stars, justified because she felt like her mother needed help. But then we find out that eight days later, it, her mother actually did pass away. Um, that just kind of made everyone, I think, take a step back and was like, yeah, okay, I understand. And um, I, I think she was pretty justified in, in quitting. She, I, I agree she shouldn't have come out there in the first place, um, but given the fact that she had come out, I can understand. Yeah. Uh, she was next on my list, so I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I mean, she obviously she could sense it in some way. Very good that she did go and she was able to spend those last uh, few days with her mom. But, um, yeah, I definitely think she deserves to be at this side of the list and not the other. Um, number eight I have is also from that season, and I have Sue Hawk. This is one of the most uncomfortable quits ever, I would say, um, just dealing with the whole Richard Hatch uh, scandal of... Grindgate, is that what we're calling it? No, that's Ted and Gandhi. Oh. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, uh, Richard Hatch brushing up against her and then her quitting because uh, dealing with the emotional trauma of that. And, you know, even on the episode, there was a lot of questioning her motives and everything. But uh, I think uh, when you're looking at all the rest of the quiz, this one, she did have a serious issue event happen to her. Um, maybe she could have handled it a little bit better, but I think we have to put her higher on or on this side of the list, anyways, for her quit. Okay. Did so you my agree? next one. Uh, oh, I completely agree. She was next on my list um, okay. after Jenna. My next one. <clears throat> I'm not sure how you're going to feel about David. Part of me thinks that you will agree with me, and part of me thinks that you probably have this person pretty low or pretty high. Not we currently have. Yeah. But I was ranking, I tried to put myself in the mind of the quitters and say, like, okay, situation. If I accept what they're saying is true, would I still have quit? And what makes that justified or unjustified? And I feel, you let me here, because again, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this. I feel that if I was honestly convinced that I was going to hit someone. I could, I'm not saying it is justified. I'm saying it's more justified than other people. And so I have Lindsay as number seven on the list because I think if she was honestly 100% convinced that she was going to hit Trish, I, I can do it well. Yeah. Uh, I had her just one lower at six, but I'm fine putting her here. I had the same thing. If we're taking what she said at face value, that that was the reason why she quit, then that would be more justified than a lot of these other people on the list. So if she was honestly, you know, afraid that she was going to do bodily harm to Trish, then I think it's a little more justified decision. Now, there's been lots of speculation, oh, she was just unhappy or alliance member got blindsided, yada, yada, yada. But this is, again, this is just going off of what they said. And I'll have a few other people that's like this, too, is you may not believe them, but I'm going off of what they say. Um, just because it's get, it gets harder as we get lower on the list. <laughs> for, for me, anyways. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm okay with Lindsay here. All right, my next one is be interesting to see where you have it. Um, maybe people would say this person's too high. But for the number six then, I'm going to choose Austin from Survivor Pearl Islands. Okay. Uh, Austin spent pretty much the entire game of Pearl Islands without any clothes, only underwear. And, and when he left the game, he seriously did have quite a few medical problems. So I think he, he was actually going through a lot of physical uh, deterioration and physical pain and all that. So I think um, even though he gets a lot of crap for being the first quitter and everything, I think if you look at some more of these down the line, I think he he did have some serious physical problems. Were they enough to like make him leave the game immediately? No. But uh, some of these other people, I don't even think had that. So I had to give it to Austin. I had him at number five, so I can't complain. Okay. Um, so the reason I'm putting this person then at number five, because Austin was six, um, I got to a point where I like people were just quitting for the same reason, right? Like, or most of the people left are quitting because they just don't want to be there anymore. Like, they're just done. They don't really care. They're tired. They're hungry. Whatever. And so when I look at those people, I really look at kind of the build-up to it. Like, did we see them actually suffering? And, like, was this really a big deal? And I feel like there are a couple people who, when you watch them, you're like, this is the first we've ever seen you have a tough time. You're smiling and you look happy. And and I understand that that's not what we're feeling, but you'd think that there would be some signs. And so the next person that I'm going to pick is the person who I honestly think was having the toughest time, and you can tell by what's going on with her that she's having a tough time, and that's Janu. Okay. I had Janu at number four, so I'm okay putting her at five. Yeah. She was struggling for about... There was probably a three or four episode arc. Yeah. So, Yeah. Um, you know, she's low on my list, well, both of our lists, and it's probably because she she quit because she had gotten everything out of the experience that she could have wanted. Well, that's sort of a lame thing. Like, you could you could stay three more days and get a little bit more out of the experience in form of cash, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then there was part of it, oh, maybe I just want to see Stephanie, uh, you know, go a little farther than me because I don't care as much. Uh... You know, so I did not like this quit at all, but there are some other, there's other quits on the list that upset me more than this one. And like you said, we saw a lot leading up to it. So, my number four may be a little controversial then. Um, and again, I'm going with off of what these this person said which you could believe is a bunch of hooey, but I'm just going with what he said. And for that reason, at number four, I'm putting Colton. No! Uh-uh. No. He was my number one. <laughs> number one? Well, it's number four on our list. Yeah. Um, Colton, said, wow. Colton said that there was a strategic reason for him to quit. 
and was saying that by doing that, he was effectively helping Caleb in the wrong way. Long run. Whether or not you agree with that or whether you believe it or not, I'm just going off of what he said. And if that was actually his thought process, then he, in my mind, it's more justified if you're quitting for a strategic reason than you're quitting because you can't hack it. Now, a lot of people say, well, he couldn't hack it, and that's why he quit. So I'm just, again, I'm just going off of what um, what he said, just like we, we talked about with Lindsay. But you disagree. Well, I was going off of what people said during the episode. When Colton said that he was quitting for a strategic reason, it came post-game. So, whether or not that still counts, I don't know. I had Colton at number one because I felt like he quit, not because he couldn't hack it, but because uh, he he wasn't in control. I felt like once he saw no one wanted no no one on his trying to play the game. No one was going to let him kind of boss them around like he did in Survivor One World, and so he decided that he didn't want to play that game. And that's why I had him at number one. But okay. Well, yeah, it's controversial, I know. But you get to pick number three. For number three, I picked um, I picked Kelly S. And, the re and I kind of see these two quits as very similar. Um, and the reason I put Kelly S. above Nayanka is because Kelly S. came to Jeff Probst and said, I want to quit. And then Jeff Probst said, does anyone else want to quit? And, for, and then Nayanka raises her hand and said that she wanted to as well. And so even Nayanka had had a rough time earlier on in the game. I think uh, I think her quit was more piggybacking on Kelly's quit. Kelly, I think the fact that she came to Jeff and said that she wanted to quit shows that she was actually probably having a, a rougher time with it than Naoko was. And uh, this we're getting into very very I think I think with about the Lindsay Janu area, Lindsay or sorry Lindsay Austin area, we got into the unjustified quit, like thoroughly unjustified quit area. Um, so I'm not saying they're justified, I'm just saying if you were to choose one to be more justified than the other, I would say Kelly S. was more justified than Nayanka in my mind. Wasn't it the other way around? Didn't Nayanka ask to quit first at, like, the reward challenge? I don't... I thought Kelly S. asked to quit first. Uh-oh. Now you got me thinking. If it is, then it should be go the other way around. Um, let's see. This says Nayanka quit first, but did Nayanka ask to quit first? As soon as the challenge ended, Nayanka announced that she wanted to quit the game. You are correct. I'm sorry. Nayanka should be number three for the same reason that I just listed for Kelly S. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> Not a problem. Number two, I'm going to have Kelly S. So uh, it's, it's really weird because Kelly S, we hardly see her... Uh, throughout the season at all. Um, and that's probably because she quits. So we don't have a lot of her mind frame. So yeah, when watching it, it looked like she just piggybacked on Nayanka. And you also got to, you know, Nayanka brought a lot to the season even after she quit. And that it doesn't necessarily justify it. But you sort of knew from watching her that she was a little more unstable, <laughs> if that makes sense. So it was a little yeah, more understandable. Uh, uh, and then you're just like, what, Kelly's quitting too? What 
why we ne- we don't even know who she is, you know. So it's it's right. one of those things. So that takes us to number one, Jeff. Um, number one, the least justified quit, and I think the one that I don't know. We well, obviously it's Julie. I think everyone's kind of deduced that through their uh, magical deduction powers. We saw Julie upset last episode with the rain, but that kind of went away. And we saw her. I mean, it was, the last few days on Survivor had been sunny and happy, and there was a merge, and everyone was eating. They just finished a feast, and Julie was tanning, and, you know, people were mad at her for the whole trail mix thing, but I'm still slightly baffled as to what exactly what exactly happened. What do you think, David? Yeah, I know uh, Jeff Probst speculated that she wanted to quit now because then she could be with John and wouldn't have to be on the jury. But then in interviews, she said, no, that wasn't the case. And that this is just a, a dumb quit for me because, well, first of all, in her interview, in her ex-interview, she also said that she'd be willing to play again if it wasn't a blood right. versus water season. And I'm thinking she, she just missed her loved one. That was the reason why. And that people were starting to be rude to her. And it's just a dumb, dumb reason. She wasn't going to get voted out, so it's not like... Do you like, think she honestly thought she was going to get voted out? No. I. Everyone was telling everyone, you know, you either heard, oh, we're going after Josh, or oh, we're going after Jeremy. And no one was... People were being rude to her, and sure, and were, like, you know, whispering, ah, Julian and the trail mix, hashtag trail mix scandal. But uh, no one, no one was actually bringing up her name for tribal council. Right, and if you actually felt like you were going to get voted off, why would you quit? Yeah. Like, I just don't, that that sort of like, oh, I'm going to get voted off anyway, so I might as well, you know, say, screw it and quit. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this quit overall. I'll, I'd even be willing on our list, Jeff, to bump Colton up to number two, if you want. Yes. Thank you. Because... Nayanka and Kelly both quit because they couldn't hack it anymore in the survival sense. Like, they were tired of surviving. Colton, that wasn't the case. Um, and and his strategic reason, reasoning is questionable. But I still I think... I forgotten that, that, was, that he had given that explanation. But I still think we have at least some questionable stuff with Colton, whereas Julie... There's no, there was no strategic part. There was no. It was just I needed to do what was right for me at this moment. And that. Right, and she said that she was like, I don't really care that this is gonna screw over Jeremy. Not only does it screw over Jeremy because now he's missing an alliance member, but as far as I know, Julie's not on the jury. No, she's not. And so there's a jury vote gone for him as well. Like that just that it didn't sit with me. That you could be that selfish, and and the other thing that, that about it is, is she's she's quitting because people think she's pretty. Like, I did you understand what she was trying to say with that? Like, did you understand even what she what point she was trying to make? I think she was saying people judge her and they will judge her for quitting, but she has to deal with that her whole life. She's had to deal with that her whole life, and she doesn't care. I, okay, that's what I got. 
So okay. she doesn't care that we Good for her. the bottom. <laughs> but uh, there's our list. Do you agree or disagree? Let us know. You can uh, give us a comment on our Facebook group, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast. Let us know what you think of our list. Uh, we'll run down it one more time. So at 11, we have Dana and Gary. 10, Kathy Sleckman. 9, Jenna Maraska. 8, Susan Hawk. 7, Lindsay. 6, Austin. 5, Janu. 4, Nayanka. 3, Kelly. 2, Colton. And number 1, Julie. Yeah, this is just a weird quit. You know, the other thing, at least Col at least Colton quit, you know, like, whatever it was, day six or seven or what, you know. He quit early on in the season, so we didn't have to deal with it as much, you know. Yeah. Julie, you know, right at the merge, ugh. And that's what frustrates me about Nayanka and, and Kelly, too, is that they made it to, what, the final eight or nine or whatever? And then yeah. they quit? That's well, just... Here's, here's the other thing that upsets me about it. There's, there's two other things. One... She was upset that Jeff didn't give her time to process it, but if the immunity challenge just ended, there are literally hours, maybe two or three hours to tribal council. You don't have time to decide. They need to figure out if they're going to have a tribal council. And just think, I think if you're if you're saying I may or may not quit, I'm not sure. Jeff isn't going to allow that tribal council to happen until you figured that out for yourself. So I understand him not giving her a lot of time because it changes whether I mean it changes the entire game. And he yeah. also doesn't want to have to put her on a jury if she's going to quit right after someone gets voted out. Secondly, she was ang I was angry. I feel like there's something very much different from quitting in front of everyone versus quitting on your own. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's it's a little cowardly um, to, to quit just kind of like say, like go off into the bushes and call Jeff over. And I know Lindsay did that too, but um, I feel like it's a little cowardly. It, fe it makes me feel like you're not 100% sure about your decision. Because Julie's quit wasn't about, I mean, this is what differentiates these two situations between Julie and Lindsay. Julie, Lindsay's quit without other people. And if she was going to quit in front of everybody, she was going to say, it's because I hate you when I hate you when I hate you. Yeah. Julie's quit had nothing to do with them with the exception that it affected their game, and so not quitting in front of them, felt it just felt cowardly to me. Yeah. Well, the, the other reason she gave is that there was all these couples around and, and that she didn't have a couple. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, you're playing Survivor. Like, you, you signed up for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Anyway, so there's our list. Let us know what you think. Let's uh, let's move on. We talked about the quit and Julie in the episode. We talked about sort of our thoughts of the episode overall and the uh, the editing and the the suspense. So now we're going to talk about each remaining person in the game. There's 11 people left, um, and something's going to happen. I think we're going to have to have a double tribal council or something because the finale is going to be on December 17th. I'm yeah, sure. there has to be a double tribal. Somewhere along the line, or a, a medevac, which I would wouldn't like, but uh, but we'll see. But anyways, we're gonna go down the list. We're gonna talk about these people. How have they played so far? What do they need to do to win? What are their chances of winning? I thought chances of winning we can. It's just a simple one, two, or three. One, they have no chance of winning. Two, they're a wild card. Three, there's a very good chance that they could win the game. Like how many threes do you think we should give out? Like 
three? You think we'd say three people have a good chance of winning? Yeah, I would say no more than, than four, probably, you know. Okay. There's 11. Let's let's cap a max of four for all. You know, let's try to even one to the four, one to the four, you know. So one group will have three and two will have four. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk about the two big people first. Let's talk about Jeremy. How has Jeremy played so far, Jeff? I think Jeremy's playing a pretty solid game. It seems like he kind of keeps hitting walls. Um, his game is reminding me a little bit of Spencer's. Maybe he's been a bit more successful. But it's like no matter what he does, something, everything he tries doesn't go well for him. You know, he, uh, he, he wasn't in the group to vote Drew out. He, I mean, obviously Julie quitting on him takes away a number. His he wife gets... In the group to vote Drew out. Say that again? He wasn't in the group to vote Drew out. He voted, he Drew. voted Drew out, but he didn't want to. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, I don't. I mean, I didn't see him saying no. leading the Drew brigade. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, he, he did vote with them to get rid of Drew, but I just feel like uh, he, he feels a little bit like Spencer in that regard. Like nothing, and almost a little bit like Reynolds too from Survivor Caramoan, where like nothing he does can go right for him, and so. Uh, I wonder if his luck's going to change. I think if his luck does change, he's got a very good shot at winning, um, especially kind of with the recent string of kind of stronger male leader types winning. I don't know that this season's going to break that trend, and so I think he's got... I, I would put him with a three. Yeah, I think so far that he has played... Uh pretty well. I would not quite classify him as Spencer or Reynolds because both of them, especially early on, were clearly ostracized and were on the outside. I would say as, at least before the tribe swap, he was pretty much he was good with everyone, even though you know they didn't go along with the Keith thing. Like He was still in the good graces of pretty much everyone. Um, and even, even now that we're merged, he has a lot of people that he still connects with. Unfortunately, he, you have someone savvy like Josh who's able to read him and able to see what he's doing, but obviously everyone else isn't quite, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's quite as uh, dire uh, as, those, uh, as those people, but I do think, I do think he's not as self-aware as he needs to be. He's a little too confident, if that makes sense. He, because obviously, I think we saw it tonight in this merge episode. You know, he thinks, "Oh, I have my numbers, I'm good," but he needs to be firming up a little bit more. You know, and and recognizing, oh, you know, Josh is really talking to John a lot. You know, I I better, you know, talk with him and just and figure things out. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I understand that, like, lack of, like, well, like, not comparing it with uh, Reynolds and, and Spencer. I don't know, I, I agree with most of what you said. I don't have anything to add. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd put him as a three. If he can survive the next vote, if he can gain the majority, and I think we're going to be saying this with Josh, too, he could gain. Unfortunately, you know, both of them are going to be threes, but the them winning requires taking the other one out. So it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. But uh, what needs to happen for Jeremy to win? What is What needs to happen down the line? 
<laughs> he needs to win this battle against Josh. <laughs> yeah, he needs to get. He needs to get John. To get John and Jacqueline. Um, and it looks like he's getting Jacqueline more than John just in the previews, but um, he needs he needs both of them to to secure it. Because I thought, oh, what if they split their votes? Like, what if Jacqueline's so mad, like she just voted? But that still wouldn't solve anything because they'd still have six on the other side now yeah, that Julie, no. darn Julie. <laughs> Damn it, Julie. But um, after that, I think it's. It's sticking with that alliance for a while and then breaking up couples. Like eventually all right, you got you got Josh out, keep Reed, vote Wes or Keith out, get one of them out, and then then you know, vote one or two more out. But before you like clearly wipe them out, you need to take get rid of either a Missy or a Baylor or a John and a Jacqueline to break another one of the couples up. Yeah. Is there any way you think that Jeremy could, like, lead a charge against Josh and then use Reed as a number? Like, what pitch would he have to make to Reed in order to do that? I think it would have to... I think that's a really, really long shot. He would have to... I mean, you could say, hey, now we're singles, you know, you're one of us now. You can't be with the couples anymore. Um, but even so, I could see Reed still... Still sticking with the other guys, so I don't know. It's it's tough. I think I think Reed would sell sell him under, or you know, sell him out to the other people before he would actually make an alliance with Jeremy. Yeah, I think the only thing he could do was say like, "We got rid of Josh because we wanted you in our alliance, and and we couldn't have Josh and you." But I don't I don't even know if that would work. So I don't hey, know. Maybe oh. if we're down to like the final seven or eight, but if we're still at ten or nine people, I don't think there's any way he can bring them in yet. I would agree. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, yeah, I think he has the social skills to be able to to maneuver it if he can take out Josh. But uh, it's gonna see because maybe maybe Julie Julie quitting saved his life because obviously it, it saved him at least to the jury. You know, because I, I'm fairly certain he was going to go home, uh, you know, at this past tribal council. So, so you know, Julie quitting did, in the short term, benefit him. But uh, we'll, see if, we'll see if they're able to just put John and Jacqueline back on their side or not. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the other one, Josh. How has Josh been playing the game? Josh, I think, is play, probably playing the best game uh, of anyone so far. He's relying probably a little bit too much on some swing votes like John and Jacqueline, but uh, he has read pretty solid, and um, now it seems like he's got John and Jacqueline fairly solid as well, and then he has his other two members. And so, I mean, Josh has been probably playing the best game since the beginning of the game, and he just needs to keep, he just needs to keep the ball rolling. Um... I, I, I see it. The only way I can see Josh not getting to the end at this point is if Jeremy's side wins, which I don't see as, a, honestly, like a real possibility. I think Josh has it. Um, and so I give him a 3+. Three 3+. Plus. Three plus. Um, you know, I think, I think one of his flaws is he's been, he's been a little too overt in his 
cutthroat strategy, maybe. Like, especially when he was originally on Koyopa, I think his whole voting for Baylor thing, which is weird, I think he's been a little overt in a lot of situations. Um, and so people recognize him as a power player. You know, and it, you could say the same thing with Jeremy, um, and which is why they're both in this predicament. I mean, we've had other winners who, at commerce time, people don't actually realize that they're the one in charge and in control. And both of them, to a degree, you know, at least the other person is aware of them, but I'm pretty sure other people on the tribe as well are, are aware also. But it's just interesting, because I thought his whole interaction with Baylor was pretty weird this past episode. And, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. You know, it, that's a weird relationship to me because, like, <laughs> in my mind, he was clearly using her pretty much the whole time. But <laughs> And she, I, don't, I think she started to realize it, you know, towards the end. Um, but I think she, like, in that sense, he needed to do and this was earlier on, he needed to do a better job of not alienating maybe Baylor. So that he, she, I mean, with your mom, it's a hard sell, you know, not to go with her and go with someone else. But she could have, if she could have been like, this guy was loyal to me this entire time. Like, I have no doubt he has my back and your back to the end. But he, you know, I think it was something that he did that sort of didn't make that relationship as secure as it could have been. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I have him at three again. If he if he wins the battle, then uh, it's gonna take it's gonna take something to something big to to get him off the pedestal. I think it would be hilarious though if if Josh and Jeremy were the next two out. Yeah, because it would really throw a wrench in like what everyone yeah. uh, thinks is gonna happen. Like, if just everyone came together and was like, look, these two are both, like, thinking they're in control of the game. And, you know, so the one side wins, and then the other, <laughs> the other's, like, just I'll vote uh, the other leader off. And to me, then I'm like, all right, I have absolutely no idea who's going to win this game. You know? Yeah. Crazy. I don't think that's going to happen, but <laughs> be fascinating to watch for me. I agree. But um, anything else other than winning the battle that Josh needs to do going forward to win? Anything else? He Who needs to not take... Final... What? I was thinking he needs to not take John Mish to the final uh, three. Yeah. Who should be his final four, final five? His final four, final five? Like, in terms of his best chances of winning... Yeah. Like, should he take Wes and Keith? I would say read Jacqueline, Wes, and Keith. Just make sure that Jacqueline's on your side. See, that's that's dangerous, though, because then it's Keith and Wes versus Josh and Reed, and it's up to Jacqueline to decide. I, so, think, you uh, with, I think you go with Reed... Keith, Wes, and Alec. I think you, you hmm. stick with that boys alliance. Get rid of Missy and Baylor. Thanks, John and Jacqueline, for using for going on our side. We're going to vote you off, too. Goodbye, Natalie. 
you know, let's get with our guys. And that way you have Alec, who's a swing boat, vote, who can be easily manipulated any way you want, you want, you know? I mean, the other option, if emotion's not involved, I honestly think his smartest bet would probably be to go with two couples that aren't him, because then he's the swing boat no matter what, and he's in the final mm -hmm. three no matter what. Yeah. Although, no, I, I guess not no matter what, because if it's a couple and two singles in the final four, they may get rid of him. But, I, see, I, I just think being that swing boat at the final five is just too too important. It's the only person who's guaranteed. So, unless, I don't know. unless it's all-stars. What do you mean? Survivor All-Stars, where Big Tom was the middleman in between two couples, and they just voted him off. Well, he was the swing vote. Yeah, he was the swing vote. I know, it was, I, was making, I was making a joke. <laughs> I know. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he maneuvers it uh, from here if he, if he does win the battle. But, yeah, definitely a three. As we move on, let's talk about Reed. Okay. What has Reed done so far? I still like Reed, and I think Reed has a UTR chance of winning. Um, it'll be difficult. He'd need to take a lot more of a leadership role, I think, in these next few episodes. But the fact that he's connected to Josh definitely is not hurting him um, in terms of his chances of winning. So I think right now Reed's like a person I would want to take to the final three to beat. That being said, he's a smart guy. He's an actor. He, you know, he can uh, turn on the charm. He seems to be friendly with everyone, even the people who he's not aligned with. He's got an outside shot. I mean, he's got a, an outside chance of winning. But let, let's look at what he's done, he's done so far. From an editing perspective, what we've seen, he was not in the loop of the Drew vote at all. I think that's he was, the only vote we've seen him for. Yeah. Because and, only then, and then we show him, his edit has pretty much been just tag along with Josh, you know, just in love with Josh and doing whatever. Yeah, but the edit for Natalie was tag along with Russell. Like, I'm not saying he can't win. I'm saying, what we asked, what has he done so far? What we've seen is not a lot. That's fair. So in my sense, I see him as either a sacrifice along the way to get at Josh, you know, somehow he goes, to, um, or B, like let's say if, if Josh won immunity this episode and they voted off this next episode and they... they John and Jacqueline swing back over and then they vote Reed off or something, you know, something like that. Or um, or he makes it to the end with Josh and gets no votes or something like that, you know. I thought if Josh gets voted out, let's say, let's pretend Josh loses the battle. Uh -huh. Reed has the connections and the ability to take over Josh's place become the kind of de facto leader of that group and try to swing uh, try to swing some people back? Because I think that could very well happen. I don't know if he has the pull with John and Jacqueline. Yeah, I don't know about his relationship with John in the uh, in yeah. the original Hunapu. 
I don't know. It's, I mean, it's possible, but not as likely. So, do you want to put him as wild card or no chance? I put him as wild card. All um, right. We'll put him as wild card. Number two. All right. Let's talk about another guy. Uh, one of my favorites, Keith. Keith. Keith is the person I what want, he? even though I don't think he will. What has he done so far? Let's see. He uh, he found an idol. He did. He tried to. He tried to tell everyone that Jeremy had an idol. Uh, he, he took a nap right before tribal council and ended up getting people voting for him. <laughs> but he seems to be a, a likable enough guy and has good relationships with quite a few people. So that's what he has going for him. But uh, not a lot of strategic uh, <laughs> knowledge there as far as we can tell. Yeah. You know, I see Keith... Uh, I, I love Keith as just a player. Some things scare me, though. He seems a little... Like, he might get a little erratic, because I know we still have two quotes from him that we haven't heard, which are, I've done the stupidest thing in Survivor history, and I'm glad he's gone. Which makes me think that uh, someone's going to piss Keith off, and Keith might kind of retaliate. And, um, and obviously he still has something stupid to do. I struggle with think. I think Keith has a very small chance of winning. Yeah, I don't think he has a lot to win. What would he have to do? I think he'd have to go to have to be like a and go up against two people that are just hated, that like screwed everyone over and was like actually rude or mean to them, or you know people didn't respect. And he'd be like, "Hey, I'm just the likable guy that somehow made it here," you know. <laughs> but even that seems like a really long shot for me. I could see there, there's two situations I could see him him winning in. One is it's a final two and he goes to the end with Wes. Two is it's a final three and he goes to the end with both Missy and Baylor. Not because he'll beat Missy and Baylor, but because Missy and Baylor might split votes. Yeah, they're kind of indistinguishable to me. Like, if John and Jacqueline make it to the end together, I feel like the jury would not have a problem picking between them. But And, and the same is true of uh, Josh and Reed. But I feel like with Missy and Bailey, they're a little bit more indistinguishable and a little bit harder to decide which one we actually want to win. So, What if he's in the final three with Alec and Wes? That would be another situation, I think. I don't think Alec has much of a shot either. But... Do we give him a two wild card or a one no chance? Well, I'm kind of trying to plan ahead here, and I'm thinking I have to give at least three ones, maybe four. And I can think of two off the top of my head who, who I'm going to give a one to. And that third one, I can't decide if it should go to Keith or not. That being said, no chance... I, I have to go with no chance. I just don't see the situation happening where he where he's going to end up in a position to win. Okay. And it uh, pains me to see that because I love him. Love Keith. Yeah, I'll agree with you. No chance. All right, he's a one. Let's move on. Let's talk about Wes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I let's think Wes is even more. Of a, I think he was even more of a one than. 
Yeah, Wes was one of the two that I was like, okay, I know that I'm going to give a one to him. Because what have we seen him do so far? He called out John Rocker, like, figured out who he was, and then befriended him, and, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We saw, yeah, we've seen him follow around. He hasn't achieved his goal of, like, winning the game with a woman on each arm. <laughs> goal. Yeah, he's um, in an all-male alliance. <laughs> yeah. So, I... Like, like, literally, I have nothing else to say. He is the onest of ones. What would he have to do to win? I think, uh... uh <laughs> there was a fire, and he survived? I don't know. Um... <laughs> 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 Like an ancient group of San Juan Elsurian cannibals come, and he fends, he's the, the one who fights them off. The only way I can see him winning if it's, it's if it's him and Alec in the final two. Yeah. I don't see. So even then, I don't see people respecting Alec. I think they'd have a hard time deciding between the two of them. But uh, yeah, I think his chances are pretty low. You want to talk about like right. Survivor? You know, last last season when they had the final two, a lot of people were like, "Well, Survivor's never going to do a final two again because there was a chance that Wu and Cass were, would be the final two, and they'll never do it again." Okay, if Wes and Alec were the final two, I guarantee you, Survivor would never do a final two again. <laughs> well, like, I can uh, say that with quite a bit of certainty. I would say with the episodes we have left, it's almost certain that it's a final three this year. Uh, unless we have, like, two medical evacuations, or they would have still voted someone out after Julie quit, then we could have. But with them not having tribal council, I'm pretty sure it's the final three this time. Yes. So, uh, let's talk about Jacqueline. Let's do what has Jacqueline done so far? You know, she's actually come out of her shell quite a bit more. Um, the one thing that I'm really surprised about, because the Survivor editing usually doesn't do this, they're showing her and John be actually extremely democratic. Um, it's usually John's will that happens, but you always hear Jacqueline's voice, and it seems like that's going to continue next week as well with the sort of gender war that they are kind of playing up. Um, and that's something you don't, I mean, it's not very often in Survivor that you see a duo, or a, especially a male-female duo, where both voices are heard, and it's everything seems very much like a deliberation rather than a, this is what we're doing. So I will give Jacqueline that credit. Yeah, they're showing it. Not that other pairings haven't done that before, but they're actually showing it. Well, you think about, like, Becky and Yule, right? Like, everyone knows. It was just basically what and Becky have said over the years that that was a lot more democratic than than the edit would like to show because they wanted to show Yule as a strong winner. Um, Same with Robin. So the Amber fact that they are showing, we'll say that again. Same with Robin Amber and, and a couple others. Yeah. Yeah, and so the fact that they are showing the John and Jacqueline deliberations makes me think that either a one of them is in the finals with a good shot of winning, or b one of their decisions is going to just blow up in their faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, I don't have a strong possibility of Jacqueline winning the game. 
Do you give her a one? It's very borderline of one and two for me. Um, just because I think I think John has a really good shot, but I don't think Jacqueline does when she's up against John. And I don't even see, you know, again, unless she's up against Wes and Keith, I don't really see her having a strong chance. So I, I would almost give her a one. Really? See, I think she's got a little bit. I mean, it, it, it's all going to depend on what she can, what she can swing, right? Like if she's in the final three, what she can swing. She's. I'm actually. I was going to disagree with you, but I'm. I'm thinking about it more. If they were going to give her the like underdog who pulls out this amazing final speech at final tribal council, who's like, I was an underdog the whole time, and you all thought I was out of the game, and blah blah blah. blah. If that was going to happen, they would have given her a much better edit those first couple of episodes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm actually going to agree with you. Uh, I was going to disagree with you and say that she could do that, but the edit has not shown that that could happen. She would have given been given almost a Spencer-like edit in terms of her underdog status the first couple of episodes. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about John. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of John... Um, and he's become a critical player. Um, what has he done? He, I thought he had a pretty smart strategy when it came to the first tribal council, and Drew was like, no, we need to get Callie off, and he was like, who did he suggest? He suggested Julie. Julie, that's right. Julie, because she keeps the pairs, that's what it was, right? Which was a very smart, smart strategy on his, his part. Keep the pairs together. Let's vote someone whose loved one is already out of the game. Um, and then we get to the swap and, you know, he decided to go with missing Baylor. Uh, fine by me, but he was in the middle. You know, him and Jacqueline were in the middle the whole time. Um, same with the Dale. I think, obviously, he made a much smart, a very smart decision voting Dale out because that immunity idol was not real. <laughs> um, and then... Um, even now, you know, we see him being a central focal point of deciding between the two camps. So I think if there was anyone that was a, had a has a really good chance besides uh, Jeremy and Josh, it is John. So I would put him at a three. I would put him at a three too, and I put him at a three minus. And you're, you know, I know you've been asking, what does he need to do to win? He needs to get to the final three without Josh or Jeremy there. That's all he needs yeah, to do. Yeah, he needs to play. He needs to play both sides. He needs to go from one to the other. He needs to... You to, think he uh, needs to, like, Rob says, we know A little bit, yeah. I was. I think he just needs to get get one or two people who stay loyal to you. You can bring, like, Missy and Baylor along. They're not that threatening. And just, like, flip-flop, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that could work. I'm just not sure... I think, though, yeah, I think he is the... If you if everyone was at Final Tribal Council right now, he would uh, he would get the third most number of votes, I think. Yeah. Assuming there was a jury to vote on. You know what I mean? So, there's John. Let's talk about Missy. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I have been, and you know this, I've been a supporter of Missy for a very long time. She had winning. Everyone hated her for some reason because of Ricegate, and I felt like she wasn't necessarily the villain. 
I had to jump off of the Missy train this week. Why is that? The confessional that she gave where she was like, Baylor Baylor needs to come with me because she's my daughter and this is a chance that I have to be her mother. It rubbed me the wrong way for a couple of reasons. One, I felt like she was making excuses. And two, the way to be a mother, in my opinion, the way to be a mother of a 20-year-old daughter is not to force them to follow everything you do. It is to allow them to be independent and make their own decisions. And so to claim that you're being such a good mother now because you're letting your, your you're like making your daughter come along with you, to me is just kind of asinine. And so that 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 confessional just really rubbed me the wrong way. And I know it was weird because the people who really hated Missy, at least in the kind of live, we were doing like a live message board, in the live message board I was following. The people who really hated Missy loved that confessional and were like, okay, maybe Missy's not so bad. And the people like me who really loved Missy were like, oh, Missy, that was a that was a rough confessional. Um, I don't know what, what exactly you were saying there. So, I had to jump off the Missy train. Yeah, I'm not a huge Missy fan, but I do think she's playing a, a decent game. I mean, she's not doing that bad. She's, um, I would put her as a wild card. If certain random things happen, I think it would take a lot. But I think I think she would have a chance if she's in there with like Alec and Baylor. I could see people voting for her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely a wild card. In terms of gameplay, uh, she's doing a fine job. That was just kind of my like the reason why I jumped off of said Missy train. Uh, yeah. Just, no, in terms of gameplay, she's doing she's doing a pretty good job. I think. Yeah. It will be interesting to see if they can get John and uh, Jacqueline back, back on their side. It's going to be a big, uh, big factor as well. But let's talk about Baylor. How has she been uh, playing so far? Baylor? Or Baylor, yeah. I think Baylor's been playing a pretty good game. Um, in terms of her ability to win, I, don't, I, would, I would still put her as a wild card. But I think she's going to need to do a lot to win uh, to convince people that she played a great game. Um, she's got kind of this resume that's a little bit weird where she... I mean, like, look at the whole thing with Dale, right? Like, she said get Dale voted out, but then didn't actually vote for Dale. And she's kind of things, not really, and she was can vote, but not really. I don't know. I really don't know how to read Baylor's edit. Um, it, I wouldn't say there's no chance winning, but her chances. It, it's it's I, sort of. Like, I would say no chance, but I would definitely say that she has a very limited chance. It's to me, it's like she's making a lot of wrong moves or moves that don't seem very smart, but they always work out for her. You know. Well, she really reminds like, me of Sierra. Yeah, yeah. She's not making a lot of smart moves, but the moves always either don't. Uh, impact her negatively or have a somehow positive impact. But, uh, you know, moves that you're like, wait a minute, maybe that's not the smartest thing. Oh, maybe you shouldn't do that. Well, it sort of worked out for her. So it's sort of like, yeah, this uh, luck is on her side, even though she makes... And I think that's sort of... I think that's almost a little bit Reynolds-like, too. You know, like, Reynolds made a lot of mistakes, but still... He ended up making it a win. So, um, I don't think there's a great chance for her to win. They can get all the power players out. Then it's it's truly anyone, almost anyone's game, and I could see her winning. 
Yeah. So would you give her a two oh, as well? Another, yeah, another two. How many ones, twos, All right, and threes that, have we get? I think we are three, three, and three. Ooh. Okay. So then we have two people left. Let's talk about Natalie. Natalie. I have been turned. I, I like a 20. Yeah, I think we hadn't been showing seen a whole lot of her except her volunteering to go to Exile Island and talking with Missy or uh, and Baylor. I thought that was a really Baylor. smart uh, move, and we showed it showed that she had some strategic savvy, and it was a decision that we saw without Jeremy at all. So it makes me think, you know, she can function without Jeremy because they've she's been paired up a lot with him as well. Um, so to me, she's probably one of the strongest wild cards. If we after John, um, but John we gave a three, but uh, I would give her like a two plus. You know, if if some of the major players come out, I could see Natalie working her way to the end and winning a lot. Um, but yeah, I think I think she has a, a smart uh, head on her shoulders and. Be interesting to see what happens, especially if she's on the wrong side of the numbers. What can she do to turn it around? Yeah. See, I I, uh, I completely agree with everything you've said except one minor. At this point, it may just be semantics. I would actually go as far as to give Natalie a three minus. Um, hmm. I feel like if, if right if Josh's camp wins and yet somehow Josh gets voted out before finals, you have John standing, and he, he'll win. Similarly, if Jeremy's camp wins, and yet somehow they idle or whatever, Jeremy gets out, I feel like Natalie will be the person standing. I think of the people in his camp who are not named Jeremy Collins, she has the best chance, chance of winning, and if she gets to the final three without Jeremy, I think she will win. All right, I would normally agree with you, but I'm going to stick with the two for this reason. We had zero confessionals in Natalie this past episode. The merge episode is big, and we hadn't hear a single thing from her. But we knew where Natalie... See, here's my reasoning. We knew where Natalie was standing, and there didn't end up being a tribal council. It was more important to hear about Julie and then the fight between Josh and Jeremy, which is where 90% of the confessionals in this episode went to those three, um, than it was to hear from the kind of sidekick of Jeremy. But if you're putting him at the same, her at the same tier as John, um, John got quite a few confessionals this episode as well. But John was wishy-washy. Natalie, we knew Natalie was a number for Jeremy. What, like, what... Here, I guess I'll ask you this, right? Like, let's pretend that you're the survivor editors and you're trying to edit this episode and you want to throw a Natalie confessional in there. What do, what does she say? Even it's showing um, some sort of reaction to Julie and what she's doing, um, or you know, they I'm reactions sure. just not in the form of confessionals. No, I mean a confessional was... talking about Julie, about either the trail mix gate. Or about um, you know even you know if she was aware of her you know wanting to quit or what her thoughts because we saw you know like confessionals of Jerry talking about Julie I think just throw one in there it's not that hard I guess I just feel like if they're trying to uh, to mislead us I don't know I mean again we're talking the difference between a a three minus or a two plus um. 
So I, I'd give her a two. I, plus. I could. I, I. Okay, we can go. Can we go with a two plus plus? Sure. Cool. All right, that leaves one person. Alec, what are your thoughts, Jeff? I was saving him for my last one. <laughs> yes. There, I, I mean, you and I were just saying, what if the final two is Wes and Alec who wins? And I think we said Wes wins. So. <laughs> yeah, I think people don't have a lot of respect for Alec. He seems to be, he's one who just speaks his mind and is very and blunt about things, which can rub people the wrong way. Everyone, even like, even though Julie stole food, everyone was being super respectful and like not saying it around her, and just blurts out, "Hey, wish we had some trail mix right now." Like, it's, it's just things like that that don't help you win Survivor. Yeah, and he had that whole thing with uh, Baylor. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's, that's the only this weird scene with Baylor, which we still don't know exactly. Like, is that going to come into play at all, or was that just a one-off, like, the Survivor editors are just screwing with us now? Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he has... He may be the lowest one on the totem pole right now. Yeah, I would agree. So, that's our thoughts. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting... Hopefully we'll be talking uh, with JML in the next uh, podcast or two um, so that we can get his thoughts, hear what he thinks about the whole uh, editing this season and everything. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how this season progresses, and I am looking forward to it. I'm right now, David, final four. Wes, Alec, Jacqueline, and Keith. <laughs> if, they, if they show them more then I could buy it, but right now uh, that seems pretty bad. I like how Jack just randomly got in with three. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Jack needs to be like a one plus because like, being in, in with Keith and Alec is almost insulting. Uh, but before we sign off, we are going to be doing another Survivor draft. We're doing our third draft. Uh, do you remember what the first two drafts were, Jeff? For a while, one of them was the BB-16 players in Survivor teams. Yeah. And the other one, I believe, we said it was the craziest tribe. No. Scariest. And ho it's Halloween. Scariest. Right, scariest tribe. There we go. Because you had Boo. Right, I had Boo Burns. <laughs> that was, I'm, I'm so funny, David. <laughs> yes. So we're going to be doing it. Another Survivor draft. This time, we're going to be doing the uh, all. We'll each have a Survivor tribe of ten, but we can only choose people who have either quit the game or medically evacuated. One of the two, um, or in the case of one person, both. But um, <laughs> so uh, we'll go back and forth. I think last time you were the first one because you chose Boo as the very first one. So I'll choose the first one, then you'll choose uh, pick two and three, then it'll go back to me, four and five, and so on and so forth, till we both have our tribes of ten. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, we should, we should explain. Also. All right. Each of us are required to have four females. There are nine females that are eligible, so we can't quite have even tribes, so we just agreed that we would each have to have at least four females on our tribe. 
We have to at least have four and no more than five. So, uh, yes, and there are 22 people. <laughs> if I just took, if I took six girls and it was like, David, your tribe's not eligible to win. I'm sorry. <laughs> you failed. Uh, the other thing we should mention is there are 22 total people who've either quit or been evacuated. So two people are going to get snubbed and be on no one's tribe. Yeah. Isn't that? Sad? And we are trying to win. So the, our goal is to win. We're trying to pick the tribe yeah. that's going to have the best chance of winning. I have uh, some people. I have a lot of people that I would like, and this first pick is hard for me because I know whoever I don't pick, you're going to take, and it's really hard for me. So I'm going to have to choose the only person I can, the person that I uh, I just love. So I'm going to have to choose as my very first pick, Jonathan Penner. Damn it. Was he your number one? He would have been, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you have two and three. Yeah. Okay. Well, for my first pick, I'm going to go athletic, and I'm going to pick someone who I think uh, who I think will definitely help our tribe out in challenges, and is a proven athletic competitor, not necessarily a proven strategic competitor, and that's Eric Reichenbach. He was number three. I knew he was going to probably be taken by you, which is too bad, but... Uh... I'm just trying to figure out, because no one else really jumps out at me except for one person, even though he's kind of... Um, and I'm just wondering if that's who I want to take. Yeah, so then my next person then will be uh, someone who I think has a really good... Another, um, has a little, I, I think his survivor luck is really bad, is the issue. I just think he has bad luck, but uh, hopefully... Hopefully we can change that, and so I'm going to pick James Clement. He was my number four, so you uh -oh. didn't take my number two, which is good. Uh, but oh, uh, you're taking, you're not playing. You're, to taking, you're playing to have fun. You're taking my high ups. Uh, I'm playing to win, Jeff. As I choose my next person, who's the only survivor winner on the list, Jenna Maraska. Yeah, you're not playing to win. How am I not playing to win, Jeff? Because. You just picked Jessica. You you know the answer to this question, David. Jessica proven to be a very uh, good physical competitor. She won quite a few challenges. She won the game. She's likable. What is wrong with picking uh, Jenna Maraska? I think she has a much better track record than even either of the two people you picked. And we just said she was one of the most justified pit, uh, quits. So. I don't care how justified her quit was. Um, so my next pick, since you chose James, I have to fight uh, power for power, so I'm going to choose Austin. Austin Taylor from Survivor Pearl Islands. Need to have a, a strong guy on mine. So it's uh, you have two picks. Okay, I'm going to pick two people. Yeah, I, I got them. Um, I'm going to pick two people who I think are pretty good at the game. Both of them have really good survival. Uh, both of them are really good at survival, and they've proven that multiple times on, on the show. Well, one of them's proven it multiple times. The other one's only proven it once. 
but really good at surviving and also pretty good at challenges as well. Um, so my first pick will be Michael Scoopin, who I'm a little bit worried about because I'm not a huge fan of his gameplay style, but I'm not picking him to win. I'm picking him to propel my tribe forward. And uh, and, and then Bruce Kanagai, who I think does have a chance at winning, um, but definitely a good survivalist and also really, really good at challenges. Um, we saw that with the fish head chopping challenge. He may be a little bit socially inept with the whole drinking the wine issue, but maybe he'll gain sympathy because he can't poop. Interesting. Scoopin was number eight for me, and Bruce was number 11. See, I'm so, just going uh, off to see my pants. I don't even have it numbered. Hmm. I'm just, I'm just okay. going. My next person, I'm going to choose someone who seemed fairly athletic, fairly likable, uh, just got a bad break, and I'm going to choose Joe Dowdle from uh, Survivor Token Sheens. Not a bad pick. Uh, next one. Hmm. I'm going to choose another person who I think could be likable, uh, could be fairly athletic, Didn't we didn't really get a chance to see her at all, and I'm going to choose Courtney Moon from Survivor One World. Yeah, I, I was thinking about Courtney, and I was like, do I really want, do I want to pick her? You know, is she, I, we just don't know enough about her to really make a, an informed choice, as you would say. All right, you have the next two. So um, my next one is going to be my first girl, and I'm picking this person because they're, they're clearly strong. We didn't ever really get to see them strategically um, because they quit slash were medically evacuated first. And so we don't really know in terms of strategy how good she is at the game. But uh, I'm going to pick Dana Lambert as my pick. And then as my sixth pick, um, another person who we saw, and I actually felt like this is another girl, I felt like she was actually fairly strategic. She just made a stupid decision by quitting and um, and could have actually gone far in the game had her alliance held up. So, Lindsay Ogle. Oh, Lindsay. She was low on my list. All right. Dana was 13. Lindsay was 19. Um, so now I'm going to pick some fun people. <laughs> uh, we're getting to the point where there's not a lot of good choices. Would you agree? But yeah. uh, the next person is definitely a good choice. I think she's she would actually be pretty good at the... I think she could be a good social player um, and could make it far as long as she has her medication. So I'm going to go with Kathy Sleckman. I'm going to put her on my team. All right. So I, I have Kathy. I'm very excited to have her on my team. Um, so I need one more, and this is rough. I'm, I'm deciding between two people. Do I go with the person I initially had higher or someone else? As I look at the other female competitors, I think this one doesn't have a good chance of winning the game, but is very strong and could help in the challenges. So I'm going to choose Sue Hawk. Dang it, she was my next pick. As my fourth female. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking here. I'm trying to pick. I think we've overlooked one person who I think is actually, well, maybe I'm... Most people forget that this person was actually on a winning tribe for quite a while. 
and he was the leader of that tribe. And he has, I think he'd be pretty good at challenge. I mean, he's been proven to be pretty good at challenges in his first season. His second season didn't go so hot. But uh, I'm going to pick Russell Swan. He was the one I was debating with, actually, Jeff. He was my, uh, he was the next one on my list. So he was, he was a little lower than Sue, though, for me. So I ended up choosing. But yeah, not a bad choice. And then I am going to pick. Okay, and then the, the next person I'm going to pick, even though I think her quit was quite possibly the least justified quit ever, um, she said that she wanted to play again. She was on a winning tribe. She wasn't strategically inept. Um, that's why I picked Julie McGee. That was my next pick as well, Jeff. You're taking it my just pick. Seems like, it seems like her willingness to come back would play a lot into her uh, ability to do well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my next one as well. So now we're getting uh, 1 through 14 have been taken either by you and myself on my list, and then you took Lindsay at 19. Um, so now we're going, now we're really we're getting into it. So I'm going to choose something. You want to list off quickly who's left? All right. We have, uh, we have uh, Kelly S., Purple Kelly. We have Mike Barassi. We have Colton Cumbie. We have Gary... Uh, Strysky. Yeah, Strysky, Papa Smurf. We have uh, Shamar. We have Nayanka, and we have Janu. All right. I'm going to choose someone who is definitely not going to cause harmony among the tribe but he could actually be fairly competent athletically and could help propel some of these other people farther along in the game. So I'm going to choose Shamar. Yeah, I thought you might do that. Were you going to choose him next? No. Okay. I think I think Shamar could, could be good. We'll have to see. But uh, we're not. there's not a lot of choices here. <laughs> And my next person is someone who we don't really know much about, but I think could. Uh, I think she's very good socially. So my, I'm going to choose a fifth girl, and I'm going to choose Purple Kelly, Kelly S. So you have two there, more picks left, right? There were actually ten girls on the list. There wasn't eleven? No, there were ten. We originally thought there, thought there were only nine. Oh, there's ten. Okay. Yeah, but we are. I mean, we only said you had to pick four girls because I was thinking of picking Kelly Shin because I thought you already had your four girls. I thought you. Sorry, I thought you only had three. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I get two picks left, right? Yes. Okay. So my two picks. Uh, my first one, I'm gonna pick someone who was proven to be pretty loyal, pretty likable. Um, Actually, really good at challenges. Surprisingly enough, I think I think a lot of people forget that um, he was actually pretty good at challenges, especially the pig eating, pig snout eating challenge. Um, so I'm going to pick Papa Smurf. He's got a lot of heart, um, and he really wanted to play. He was the only person on Survivor Fiji of the entire cast who filled out an application. So um, everyone else was recruited. So I'm going to pick Gary. And then for my last pick, say that again. He was my next pick. Yeah. My last pick, I'm struggling. I think I'm going to pick a girl, which will give me five girls as well. No, give me four. Sorry, give me four girls. Um, 
And I think I'm actually gonna... I'm gonna pick Janu. The reason I'm gonna pick Janu, I don't think Janu quit because she, like, couldn't handle the elements. It was because, according to her, she had, had, she had gotten everything out of the experience that she wanted. And, um... To me, that doesn't seem like someone who's going to quit again. It means that she can handle it. She was also a solid number for Karor. It seemed like she wasn't going to go anywhere. She seemed like a loyal soldier. Uh, Kobe has nothing but good things to say about Janu as a person, which means that she's probably a pr really likable person, and uh, I think she could do well. So you have, th you have one choice left to make, and only three choices. So you can pick Colton Cumbie, Bianca Mixon, or Mike Barassi, or as I like to call them, the Holy Trinity of Survivor. I, I'm tempted to pick Nayanka, but is that, I guess I set a limit, no more than five girls, right? That is true, we did say that. So I, technically I couldn't, because she'd be next on my list. So I'm going to have to choose Mike Barassi. If maybe he could, you know, work out a little bit more uh, before become a little more physically fit, and I think this time he could be could be good. You know, I I don't think Mike's a bad pick. He uh he was a little bit weird in in Survivor Samoa. His edit was weird, but in that one challenge, that Schmergen Brawl challenge, he was trying hard, and uh, he seems like he actually had a fairly strategically adept mind. He kind of was gone even though there was nothing. So I don't think he's actually as bad of a pick as you might think. No. So that means Nayanka and Colton are the two off of uh, off of the game. Did not make the cut. They will be... But... Nayanka and Colton will actually start off on Redemption Island. Okay. <laughs> They'll have a chance to win their way back in. There you go. But uh, let's go over our tribes. For me, I have Jonathan Penner, Jenna Maraska, Austin Taylor, Joe Dowdle, Courtney Moon, Kathy Slechtman, Sue Hawk, Shamar Thomas, is that his last name? Yep. Um, Kelly Shin and Mike Barassi. What do you have, Jeff? My tribe is the ever-famous Eric Reichenbach, James Clement, Michael Scoopin, Bruce Kanagai, Daniel Lambert, Lindsay Ogle, Russell Swan, Julie McGee, and Gary Stratuski. All right. And Janu. And Janu. Interesting. It would be a very interesting season to see how many of these people would uh, do well, would uh, quit again, or get medically evacuated again, or, uh, yeah, just be a very interesting season. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried for the first time since in any of these drafts. I feel like you having Jonathan Penner is a really, really solid first pick. He's probably the most well-rounded player on the list, I think, in terms of strategic mind and physical ability. Yeah. And I know you were bagging on her, but I think Jenna Marask is a good pick. I disagree. She would have been maybe, like, I wouldn't have not, I wouldn't have not picked her but she would definitely have been low on my list. Well, I didn't pick her first, and I, you know, I... I second! Eric. Yeah, but you took Eric and James. He was still your number two, because you said Eric was your number three, and James was your number four. It's true. Ha! Ha! Uh, I think I think she's won the game, which none of these other people can say. I think she's socially bright. I think she has some strategic uh, smarts, and she's physically fit. 
I just can't get behind that. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. The thing is, I don't even hate Jenna as a winner. I just, I would not want her on my team. Why? I just don't, I never saw it. I never understood the Jenna love. I don't even think there is Jenna love. I never understood this marginal amount of Jenna appreciation. Okay. Well, agree to disagree. But anyways, let us know what uh, you think about our drafts, which tribe you think would do better. Uh, were we completely off for not taking Nayanka and Colton? Uh, let us know. Um, you can do that by checking out our Facebook group, David and Jeff Survivor Podcast, and leaving us a comment there, or on our uh, website, survivorpodcast.blogspot.com. Yes, and make sure that you uh, hit the subscribe button on the iTunes uh the podcast show on your computer every single week. You don't even have to do it. We just, we just show it's great. Yeah, we're hoping to uh, to have JML back on uh, in the next week or so, so stay tuned for that. But uh, we'll be here. Keep uh, talking about Survivor, and uh, I'm looking forward to the season. A lot more than I think a lot of people are, um, and I'm really excited to see how 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 it all plays out. Yeah, we got a war. We got a war. Will will my quasi pick to win uh, Jeremy beat Jeff's quasi pick to win Josh? Yes. At least we quasi picked good people, Jeff. <laughs> we did. We well, we picked good people's loved ones. Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> Remember when we were having the preview episode with Kathy and everyone, and all three of us were like, so this Josh Reed pair, man, that Josh guy, he's a total jerk. He's got no chance. No one would ever vote for him to win. Yeah. But that Reed, man, that Reed. Let me tell you about Reed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. But thank you guys so much for watching and or listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye.